You're listening to I Heard It on the 806, a podcast by John Bowers. As the Alliance grew, the Lord continued to bring pastors and leaders from a multitude of backgrounds to gather at annual pastors' conferences and other times of fellowship. On one specific occasion, John had the opportunity to welcome Dr. Jay Swallow, an incredibly influential leader in Native American communities across the country. This story is a powerful testimony of just one of the ways the Lord has used John and the Alliance to begin the process of racial reconciliation through close relationships. Jay Swallow was one of the most interesting Native American leaders that I'd ever met. He was responsible for many, many tribes throughout North America as the chief of the chiefs. And I met Jay after the alliance started forming, where leaders from all over the nation, first of all, were coming together to have fellowship. Started with Bethel Gospel Assembly with Nehemiah Ezra Williams. Really started in the beginning with YWAM through relationship we had with leaders and youth with a mission. And we gathered together and they would bring friends that were parts of different churches and they would tell other churches. And that's how I met Nehemiah Williams. And that's how we met Jay Swallow because Jay Swallow had a relationship with some of the YWAM leaders in Oklahoma. And so I got acquainted with Jay and Nigel Big Pond was also Jay's understudy. Two tremendous men of God, true full-blooded Native Americans that loved the Lord and did a tremendous job with their ministering to the Native Americans. Jay tells me the story that when he was young and married, they had a baby and they moved to L.A. because they hoped to find work and, and not just be without that amount of money to, to actually make a living and wanted to be a minister, wanted to be an evangelist and no training and so by faith moved to Los Angeles. And when they got to Los Angeles, his, his baby died, his little infant died. They had no money to bury the baby. They had nobody in LA that they knew. They were simply two young kids scared to death living in an apartment and their money was dwindling. And they didn't know what to do. And that night as the baby lay on the bed, they got up and they went out that summer evening and they're walking down the street crying, holding each other like two lost little kids. And they heard the music coming from this church building, and they went in the church building. It was packed out with people, and the people were praising God. And when they sat in the very back, scared to death, and just somehow the Lord said, stay. Just somehow there was, don't leave this place. Here's your answer. And the pastor got up and started speaking in tongues, and it was interpreted by Jay because he was speaking perfect Cherokee thought, how amazing. How did that guy know? Because in Cherokee, he was saying, God knows your pain, knows your desire, knows what you need. And tonight, before you leave here, he will meet that need. Well, Jay and his wife both were shocked to hear their own language being spoken in that church. They stayed as the church was emptying and they went up to meet the pastor and Jay said, I, I heard what you shared in the beginning of the service, I, how, how unique it was that you spoke Cherokee. He said, I didn't speak Cherokee. I don't speak Cherokee. Yeah, he says, when you started, you started speaking in Cherokee. No, he says, I, I don't know Cherokee. And now Jay's thinking, oh, could it be? Turned to his wife and she heard the same thing. He said, well, what did you hear? He said, well, this is what's happened. My, our baby died and 
The baby's on the bed. We have no money to bury the baby. We don't know anybody. We're running out of money. We live in this little apartment. And I just sensed that we were to come here, and I really, you know, we're not church people. But I heard you speak in Cherokee. The pastor had the spiritual knowledge to know that it was God speaking to them, even though it wasn't through the pastor. So the pastor said, okay, listen, I think what's happening here is God is moving me to tell you that we'll take care of the burial and we're going to give you money and we'll help you find a job. All of that happened. All that happened because Jesus loved this little Native American fella that was trusting God, walking in faith. And that was the start of Jay's faith walk. That was the start of him becoming that mature evangelist that was helping so many Native American chiefs throughout North America. That was helping so many people come to Jesus, laying down their worldly ways and laying down their old world ways to pick up Jesus and receive the baptism of his spirit. But Jay was very interesting. Jay sent Nigel Big Pond to be a part of the alliance. Jay, for whatever reason, didn't want to be a part of the alliance. It was a lot like Nehemiah Ezra Williams with the, the blacks and the whites. Jay was tired of the whites taking advantage of him as the Native American leader. Both parallel situations. So I had talked to Jay on different occasions, and he just simply wasn't interested in participating. So one night we were together with Nigel Big Pond, and I said, Nigel, set a meeting up with Jay. I want to meet him. So I flew to Oklahoma, and I met with Jay, and I said, Jay, we're having the conference coming up in Oregon again, and I want you to be there. Just once. Come just to one session. Now, I'll never bug you again. And we had developed a good relationship. So he came. The next morning, he called me up crying. Now, I never watched any type of emotion come out of Jay before. But you see, that night, the place was packed out, and we had a keynote speaker. But God spoke to my heart, and he said, tonight I want you to ask Mikey Obar. Mikey Obar was young young guy that was sent to us uh, by Youth with a Mission. He had, he had joined Youth with a Mission and had Down syndrome, and he had some physical problems and obviously some mental issues. And so they sent him to Christ Center because Christ Center had a, had a boarding school and we had a place to, to take people and love them and live with them and help them. And so Mike came with all of his different defects and I became in love with Mike and he became my son, if you would. And I took him places and I did things with Mike. And that one night I heard God speak to me because Mike kept coming to me and saying to me, Pastor John, when are you ever going to let me speak? When are you ever going to let me speak? Well, obviously, that was probably never. But this one night, I heard God's Spirit clearly say, John, I want Mikey Obar to be the keynote speaker tonight. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, when you know, you know. And I, I knew it was God. And for me not to do it would have been disobedient. I knew we'd miss a blessing if we didn't have Mikey. And he had about a 10-minute rehearsed sermon. Sure love you a lot. Sure love Jesus. I mean, that was it and wrapped it up. And, and then he would have oftentimes people having pray for them. So I went to the keynote speaker who was sitting behind me, and I said, hey, tonight, would you trust me? He said, sure, John, what's up? Mikey Obar is supposed to be the keynote speaker tonight. And he laughed because he knew it was a joke. And I said, no, it's ser I'm serious. He, he used to be the keynote speaker tonight. He said, hey, whatever you're hearing God say, 
So that night, got up and nobody knew it. I told Mikey he was going to be the speaker. I got up and I introduced the keynote speaker that night as Mikey Obar. Shock. <laughs> the shockwave just went through the auditorium like, what are you doing? Because everybody come prepared for something great. And I was taking something less than what the world would say would be great. I was taking a Down syndrome young man that had a tough time just getting along in life day by day, let alone have him speak to the conference. And he spoke his little 10-minute message. And when it was over, it was over. I had nobody else speak. I didn't add to it. It was over. And we had fellowship, and it was wonderful. And, and that next morning, Jay called me, crying, emotionally moved. He said, can I meet you at the coffee shop downtown? I said, sure. What's up, Jay? He says, I just have to talk to you. So I went to the coffee shop. There's Jay waiting for me, still emotional. I said, Jay, what's happened? He said, I'm in. I just want you to know I'm in. I'm, I'm all in. I'm all a part of the alliance. <laughs> I said, well, what in the world changed your mind? Mikey Obar. How's that? John. I have a Down syndrome daughter. I have a daughter that nobody would put on the stage. But you heard God, obviously, and you put Mike on the stage. And nobody knew it. He wasn't even on the program. And I'm assuming God spoke to you and you obeyed God. I want to be a part of the Alliance. And from that day on, Jay Swallow was a part of the Alliance. Phenomenal relationship because I was able to, to introduce Jay to Ezra Williams and other leaders like Ezra. And the more the leaders came together, the stronger we became. And it was an absolute thrill to stand with these leaders and see reconciliation taking place with the Native Americans, reconciliation taking place with the Blacks, reconciliation taking place with the Latinos the Mexicans, the Guatemalans, the Nicaraguans, the Puerto Ricans, all oh, to watch it all come together. For you see, we can still have reconciliation, but it has to be under the power and the wisdom of God's Spirit. You've been listening to the I Heard It on the 806 podcast with John Bowers. Make sure you don't miss an episode by subscribing wherever you listen. To learn more about John Bowers, this podcast, and to find out how you can get a copy of his new book, I Heard It on the 806, go to IHeardItOnThe806.com. This has been an Avenue 153 production.